0: What's up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. You know, I thought of you guys this past week. You know, I saw this post. It was actually from a couple years ago, but it uh, made the rounds. And I thought it was uh, very appropriate and kind of encapsulates us as a a generation with our shared experience. It says, I know we Gen Xers take a lot of, but you have to admit... Our sneering distrust of everything turned out to be 100% correct. That's from Twitter handle at Weekend Twitter. I absolutely love that tweet. <laughs> I, I just want to print it on a shirt and 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 just shout that out to the world. Our sneering distrust of everything turned out to be 100% correct. Boy, you could you not describe us any better than that, and this week in particular, with all the nonsense going on, I I kept thinking about that. You know, our sneering distrust of everything and how we're one hundred percent correct. So kudos to us, uh, Gen X, for not falling for the crap, and uh, our our cynicism is you know, paying off on, on at least some level. Well, this past week, uh, it finally happened. The official withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, has been complete. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, patting on the back going on, um, but uh, this thing can certainly be described as nothing short of a disaster. Uh, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, and it's you know only gotten worse since. And this past week was another dark week, um, even though you know the powers that be would have you believe otherwise. Um, but they, the Biden administration, and and the military leaders. Made their deadline. In fact, they were, I think, even like a little day early. Yip yip hooray! Um, you know, they they finally withdrew the final final uh, troops and military personnel out of Afghanistan. They pat themselves on the back and say, "Yep, the, we finally ended the war." Blah 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 blah. So see, the rub is there are still, again, you know, we don't know how many, but at least hundreds, at a minimum, of Americans. Who want to leave that are still there? Um, we have thousands more of Afghani green card holders, uh, U.S. green card holders that want to leave that are still stranded there, and certainly thousands more of those who supported the U.S. Uh, effort there and and had aided in some way, who are also trapped there and now you know seem to uh, have a fate that doesn't look uh, so good. And I'm, I keep getting confused as to what exactly the term, you know, the the end of the war means. And to be honest, I don't really know, because um, I'm I'm still unclear as to functionally what we, quote unquote, or what our military has been doing in Afghanistan, really for the past, you know, ten plus years. We know we've, we've been there in some capacity for twenty, but certainly the. The most aggressive operations uh, and on the front end to depose the Taliban and 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 drive out Al Qaeda and and get Osama bin Laden was on the front end of things. Osama was was killed in 2011, and so the first 10 years was really kind of focused on that and wiping out the you know terrorist uh, supporters and so on, and you know driving driving those others into their caves and bunkers. If you've read uh, Lone Survivor, you'll hear some very, you know, remarkable uh, experiences that uh, Marcus Luttrell had, but again, that, that is kind of what, in my mind, I normally think of war and, and, and those active operations and, you know, those deployments that, you know, the soldiers had for, you know, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it was, and, you know, they went back multiple times and, and served and and so on, but... Recently, the past ten years, I, from what I understand, is some quite different. It was it was a little bit more of the nation building, peacekeeping, that kind of stuff. So I'm not I'm unclear as to you know what types of, you know, hot missions that were being run, and and uh, you know tactical missions were being run, or was it more support and training and in building schools and hospitals and government buildings and that type of thing from you know and support that effort. You know nation building and what have you um, I, i'm just not clear what extent you know the quote-unquote war was um now the the, the this is obviously spanned 20 years you know four different presidencies two different you know political parties in almost equal measure um so it's certainly not something that you can pin necessarily on one person, although the Bush administration probably has their fingerprints on it more than any. But certainly those following didn't do the job. And I, I don't think there are many who would support a open-ended war effort. And I don't think there's anybody who would necessarily support this open-ended occupation of of Afghanistan. Um, that's... Certainly not in anyone's best interest to put our our people in harm's way and the fact that we made the decision that it was time to leave you know operationally, I think was one that most people can support. I would support that, but how it was handled and and just bungled and the carnage that happened after that lies squarely at the feet of the biden administration and, and I'm I'm very reluctant to necessarily put it all at Joe Biden's personally in his feet, although being the president, you know, certainly the buck stops here, right? That's that's a, what what uh what we're taught. So certainly on a personal level he he is responsible for all of it. But I'm you know, unclear as to whether it's you know, his his decisions or <clears throat> the advice of his military commanders that was driving this, I don't know. But there's a lot that makes me question and wonder, and I'm not exactly clear. But ultimately, you know, there are a lot of people that have a lot of blame. And rather than owning up to much of that in the past few days, there's been a lot of um, padding of their own backs and self-congratulating and almost just kind of gaslighting, trying to tell us that what's going on is not what we're seeing. Case in point, the bombing that happened, the terrorist bombing, the suicide bombing that happened outside the Kabul airport, you know, killed 100 plus people who were waiting, desperately trying to get into the airport, trying to leave Afghanistan. Um, and then the fact that they were there in the first place was uh, abhorrent, but that's a whole other issue. But among the dead were, unfortunately, 13 American soldiers and those who were trying to keep the gates open and. and and get people in and uh, they lost their lives trying to help others escape. And it's just heartbreaking to hear the stories of, of, of these people um, and, you know, their, their courage that they had, but also, you know, their, their families that are now lost their loved ones. And you know, it's heartbreaking. You know, there's you know, that one soldier whose baby was due in a matter of a few weeks uh, young kid, and uh, you know, now he's gone. it's just it's heartbreaking and to know that you know these families are grieving, and you have these mothers and fathers who are grieving their boys and and their daughters and and spouses and you know kids who who don't have their loved ones coming home it's just it's awful yeah, and then I don't think that can be overstated, you know the debt that we owe to those to those troops and and being grateful for what they did, you know, following orders the way that they did was nothing short of honorable, and they deserve all the praise and accolades in the world. Um, but it can't help me think that all of it was so, so avoidable. You know, when you hear reports that um, there was a, you know, drone tracking of, of this bomber, and he was even locked on, but ultimately it was, the decision was made to let it go, and 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 this uh, piece of crap, you know, you know killed hundred plus people. Uh, it's just, it, it's nothing. It's it's just, it's just enraging. You know, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and I mean, it's, it's all so avoidable. But again, I don't know who bears the most of the blame. Is it Joe Biden and his his uh, policies and his his ideas that are driving it, or is he more kind of deferring to the colonels and they're the ones who who bungled this it's both i i to be honest i i don't know I, I really don't know um but you know someone's heads have to roll it's just it's so infuriating and particularly when you hear the nonsense coming out of the talking heads and the speeches that biden gives you know the teleprompter reading that he gives um it's just it's just insulting to the intelligence you know they just yesterday they were saying that yeah, you know, they they're patting themselves on the back and saying that it was a, it was a success. You know, they, they they couldn't describe it in any other terms than a than a success. Again, it 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 it's so galling to have your in, in, intelligence insulted straight to your face. It's it's galling to just be lied to. You know, we we gen Xers don't take that well, and you know they, they those fools can go tubing themselves. And it's all it made all the more galling when the day after Biden gives this speech saying that he can't call it anything less than the success. There's a transcript of a call that was made you know, just days into you know, the Taliban advancing within Afghanistan and areas started falling very quick. Um, but there was a, a 14, or 15 minute call, um, this transcript of a call between Joe Biden and President Ghani of Afghanistan, just as he's ready to you know, evacuate and flee. Um, because the you know the Taliban were quickly making their way through Afghanistan, and and Biden said something along the lines of the fact that he you know they have a a perception problem, and that that he needed to put out the message or give the impression that um, things were were going well. You know he, he said you know, he, that um, he needs to make things sound good, and, quote unquote, whatever. Whether it is true or not, is what he said. So whether it's true or not, he needed to make things sound like they were good. That's what he said. And the guy responded, hey, this is nothing short of a full-scale invasion. How can we act like things are good when they're not? And you know, he he promised aid if he would, Biden promised aid if if they would just make things sound like they're going better. So with that as the backdrop, yesterday the Biden administration is telling this is nothing short of a success. You know, there was an impeachment effort over a call to a Ukrainian official, uh, to look into Hunter Biden and some corruption that was likely going on between a presidential candidate and his staff and, and a a political party. Um, whistleblowers within the military of the Vindman was made a hero. All of that happened over a phone call. And now this phone call is, I mean, this is border, this is borderline impeachable, you know, to have this president admit to to someone that he needs to, to create some false narrative. I mean, how can we try? I mean, we don't trust these guys anyway. Like, like the, uh, that, that tweet said before we, we just you know, have a d- distrust of everything and we've been right. <laughs> I think this is kind of a case in point. I mean, dude says you, you have a perception problem. You need to make it whether or not it's true. That's what he said. That's what he said to the president of Afghanistan, whether or not it's true. You need to make things sound like like they're going going good, but clearly they're not. I mean, people have been been being tortured and killed, and as as they uh, as the Taliban advances throughout Afghanistan, and our efforts and. And and money is just completely wasted. And when you see the list of items that were left behind, I mean, I'm, I'm no military expert, but I would imagine that these are the types of things that you would want to not leave for your enemies and people that are hostile towards you. But this is a list of items and equipment that have been left behind. 22,174 Humvees totaling about $5.5 billion, 634 M1117 security vehicles, about $634 million, 155 MRAP fighting vehicles, $116 million, 169 M113 personal carriers, $50 million, 42,000 pickup trucks and SUVs, 64,363 machine guns, $901 million. 8,000 trucks, 162,043 radios, 16,035 night vision goggles, 358,530 assault rifles, $251 million. 176 artillery pieces, $92 million. 126,295 pistols. Next time I hear that fool talk about gun control and getting the hand guns out of the hands of people that don't don't shouldn't have them, I want to show this in their face every freaking time. You're going to put hundreds of thousands of weapons in the hands or just leave them for our enemies to use and you're going to tell American citizens that they may not have them? Are you freaking kidding me? These stones that that takes. And it gets worse. 33 MI-17 Black Hawk helicopters, $195 million. 33 UH-60 Black Hawk helicopters, 43 MD-530 helicopters, 4 C-130 transports, 23 Embraer EMB Super Tucano Airplanes. 28 Cessna 208s. 10 Cessna AC 208s. And it goes on. Millions and billions of dollars worth of equipment. Equipment that will be used to help our enemies and to harm our allies and to kill Americans. It is galling. Whoever did this deserves to be in jail it's just insulting to the intelligence and ultimately it falls on the feet of this administration i mean heads need to roll but this is what happens you know when you elect somebody who is as much of a totalitarian leaning individual as joe biden and when you elect somebody who is surrounded by people who are totalitarians this is what happens and it it's just it's so infuriating that this is how it had to happen again it gets whenever you talk about the bungling of this the in supporters of this administration try to obfuscate the point and say that you know, you're trying to uh, somehow support an open-ended effort and war effort and whatever. And that's that's not the case. You, you you can't be distracted on that. No one that I know is arguing that you need to be there open-ended. I'm certainly not. However, if you're going to leave, there is a proper way to do it or a good way to do it. and And what we saw is certainly not that. And then even just put more salt in the wound and more insult to injury... I saw this just, just sad note that amongst those stranded were 50-plus service animals, these dogs that were just left in these cages to starve or what have you. I, I saw some reports that some humanitarian groups are trying to go in there and rescue these animals and what have you, but they just freaking cut up and left, and I, I just don't get it. And again, if that's something that the the president, the commander in chief is doing, and and these you know colonels are getting these orders, I mean— you either need to push back on them or just resign and protest. I mean, have the integrity, have the stones to just not go along with this. Because I mean, what we what we saw from just going along with it is just a disaster. <sighs> and now that I've you know, spent some time excoriating that fool that's in the in the White House, one thing I want I do want to make sure is to not fall into that habit of Biden derangement syndrome. I mean, we saw four plus years. Of Trump derange- derangement syndrome, and it was just as irritating as you could possibly get, just all the irrational hatred for that guy. And you definitely want to make sure not to fall into that trap because, you know, there's, you know, f- along with the legit criticisms like I've just named over the past week, there was a little bit of nonsense. Um, one was he was giving some interview or what have you with, I, f- I forgot what the, I don't know if it was CNN or what, but um it was regarding the the efforts to to uh prepare for the hurricane and in doing, he was, you know, he's you know, shooting from the hip a little bit, and he refers to this this journalist you know, who is African American as a boy, and you know there's just a little bit of a, I mean, a fear that went up, and you know the obvious pointing out, well, if this was was a Republican or a conservative politician referring to a an African American journalist as boy, you know, there people would have been up in arms and would have called him racist. This isn't that. Or and, you know, although you may have a point, and it's probably true. When I when I heard it and listened to the clip, that people were were getting excited about it, sounded a little bit more like something kind of folksy. I think he even said, you know, "We have a Louisiana boy here," and that's just I saw that as as folksy. I didn't see that as anything malicious or what have you. So whatever criticism came from, up from that, I thought it was. Silly, and whenever you kind of drift into that that sort of Biden derangement syndrome, you, you you kind of take out your credibility if if you have legitimate criticisms of the guy. Another is when um, he they showed a, a clip of uh, Biden meeting with the president of of Israel, and then he kind of appeared to nod off. I I didn't see that. It, it looked like he was just kind of listening, and I don't know if he was squinting or I, he was just concentrating and then he answered a question right after that so i didn't see him as nodding off again he he's way too old you know he's not physically well he's not mentally well i get that but i i did not see that and it seemed to be either petty or you, you something silly um then there was also the the awful optics of him looking at his watch when you know the the caskets with the bodies of those 13 who died in that attack um were were being uh, loaded off um now that that would probably be a little bit more more just criticism um although I wouldn't obsess over that it, was, it may have been more optics it may have just been someone who was being so used to being over programmed and and being pushed and escorted from one place to the next and he was wanted to make sure he didn't didn't uh, miss his next window Which again, that in itself is disrespectful, but again, and it's the optics were awful. Um, But to to focus on that rather than the incompetence that led them to that point, I think is is probably missing the mark a bit. But again, the optics were awful, and and, and I think it's very likely that him looking at his watch or that weird, awful, awkward moment of silence where he was clutching his his uh, little notebook, and it just looks so weak, you know, following a terror attack, and it took him so long to respond. And I think those are probably going to be the lasting images, very likely, of of his presidency. I mean, and unless he shocks me and shocks all of us and and does some good with the rest of his time, and I think that could be some lasting images. But again, don't fall in the trap of of all the pettiness and all the nonsense. Um, whether it's him or anyone else if if people deserve criticism give it to them call them out uh, And argue, like i said our our distrust of everything has been 100% uh, correct but you, you don't uh, don't use that to fall in the trap of, of, of being petty and silly because that only undermines your own credibility uh another point this past week i saw this the interview um, given by Lieutenant Michael Bird, who is the um, the Capitol Police, and apparently was the guy who the officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. And that's one that I just I have a really hard time with for a number of reasons. Um, I you know, like I said before, I don't think any of them should have been there. Ashley you know, should not have been in the Capitol. She should not have been trying to get through a window. You know, there's so many people that were just acting a fool and. And just venting um, you know, for because their guy lost, or they felt like it was it was stolen, and you know, maybe it was, um, but that certainly wasn't what we do. That that wasn't how we behave. That isn't how we show our dissatisfaction in the elect, electoral process. That's not what we do. Again, that never should have happened. However, what I don't believe should have happened. Was this officer shooting and killing an un- unarmed civilian? I don't think he should have. Now he says he saved countless lives. Now it, it seems to stretch the imagination a bit that he saved countless lives because this wasn't the only breach of the Capitol. There were other areas where you know these these morons were were demonstrating and and i mean they made it into the capitol rotunda and I, I don't believe countless lives died from that um there were a number of of cases where um some officers died later from from uh, issues not related directly from that riot um ashley babbitt's the one the single one who lost her life during that uh, whole event so I, I I think it's a stretch to say he saved countless lives, um, but I just more than anything I just wondered, you know are we okay now with officers shooting and killing unarmed people? I don't know. I I thought we were rioting and looting and had a whole summer of turmoil because unarmed you know, people were being were being killed, particularly unarmed uh, minorities were being killed by officers who were white, um, or Caucasian. I, I is, is this, is this not racist too by that very logic? You know, is this, you know, Michael Byrd, who is African-American, is he racist because he shot and killed an unarmed white woman? I don't know. I, I, I certainly wouldn't think so. That's not where my mind would go, but I thought that's where the dialogue went. I mean, if the dialogue went there with Jacob Blake and uh, and Breonna Taylor, why is that narrative not there with Michael Byrd? I mean, can we at least be consistent? Can we at least have some consistency here? I mean, if we're going to show nuance with this case, maybe we should be showing nuance with others. I don't know. Just a thought. Now, the last thing here is is one that I think is going to infuriate justly a lot of us and i i hope it doesn't uh, cause too much harm and disruption for us but you know we gen xers along with being cynical and distrusting of authority we're also used very used to being being screwed over and this is one that certainly falls into that camp you know whether it's you know graduating during uh, a tech bubble or buying houses during a housing bubble <laughs> and and now it seems to be that when we want to go into retirement you know certain things are not going to be available for us and i think you might know where i'm going with this but i saw this uh, report out that social security is projected to become insolvent 1 year earlier than previously uh projected in fact it seems like we're only 12 years away from insolvency so in 2033 social security is expected to become officially insolvent. That is not a shock. This is something that we've known for quite a while. But you know, we are inching ever closer to that, uh, that program being insolvent. Again, Social Security, it's one of those things that I think are, it, it's kind of a joke. I mean, in, in the private sector, something along the lines of Social Security, a program like Social Security is referred to as a Ponzi scheme. But in the hands of the government, is called Social Security. And it's something that people have grown accustomed to depending on or expecting or thinking they have earned when they retire. You know, we have been working all of our adult lives and our teenage lives, so adult lives, paying into the system, paying into Social Security every paycheck, every week, every month, every year. And lo and behold, it is you know, it's Benefited, you know, generations. It's benefited the boomers. Benefited, you know, the Silent Generation. Our parents. It's it's benefited uh, the Greatest Generation. But lo and behold, when we Gen Xers <laughs> approach our retirement age, this is going to become insolvent. I hope you. had this on your radar. I hope you've protected yourself from it. I've hoped you have invested and saved in other ways. I know that's something, maybe being a finance major, I always had on my radar. But ever since I graduated and started working, I I kind of, uh, I started saving and putting money away with the assumption that Social Security would not be there. You know, I met with with a number of financial advisors and they would do this retirement planning and they would say, Oh, well, when you, you, retire at X age, then you receive so much from social security. And I would look at him and I would say, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of planning. Like it's not going to be there. Anything I get will be gravy, but I'm expecting it's not going to be there. And they would look at me like I was out of my mind, <laughs> but I didn't. And, uh, it looks like, uh, that's likely to likely to bear fruit, but, uh, who knows what, once that does happen, you know we Gen Xers have every right to be pissed. But in probably all likelihood, they'll they'll just manage it by pushing out the retirement age, shrinking the benefits for those newly newer retired people You know, like us. You know, twelve years from now. But such is life when you're a Gen Xer. You know, we uh, right when we're ready to retire, you know, we get screwed. We get screwed coming and going, but. You know, like we've said our entire lives, mm, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's how it goes, right? We roll our eyes, whatever. That, that's why we are the way we are. And, and Social Security solvency is case in point. Well, on all that happy note, I hope you have a good week and enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Enjoy the last bit of summer while you can. Enjoy the time with your family. And we will talk to you later. Shout out to music on MTV, and I'll see you next time. Stay cool,